For part three in this series, Bob Into Buildings, we start a tour of Castle Russian in Castletown, managed by Manx National Heritage for the Nation, and I asked Alison Fox from MNH, who visits the castle on a regular basis, if she still has a strange free song on entering the castle. Yeah, I still do every time, really, and I'm, I'm um, at the castle fairly regularly. Um, there are uh, two entrances into the castle. Uh, there's the one in the winter when the site's close to the public that the staff use, which is the, the small sally port door uh, to the left of the main door as you're facing it. But the main door that we come in in the summer and the, all the public come into, um, which lead, takes you up the uh, what we call the Barbican, um, you, can't, you can't help but just get a little shiver every time you walk up there, you know, just thinking, um, you know, that there's always still this, oh, should we really be here? Because that's what the castle's about. You know, we shouldn't. It's to keep people out. It's absolutely to keep people out. And that's, uh, you know, the work we've done recently um, has reinforced our belief in that. That's exactly what the castle was built for. You know, you're not welcome. Um, you know, unless you've got specific permission, you can keep out. And, you know, we're trying to obviously do the opposite of that. The thing, it was also there to impress, wasn't it? It's very much a, a big stone status symbol in the yeah. landscape as well. And I think it's um, it, it can be quite difficult to visualise uh, what the Isle of Man was like at, say, the end of the 1400s, when the castle was pretty much at the height it is now. But if you think about what was in the surrounding landscape, there wasn't a great deal. There were certainly no buildings of this scale. Um, you know, Russian Abbey uh, was kind of around about the time the same time, so you'd had the Castle Rush and the big stone tower in the landscape. Further up the Silverburn, you'd have Russian Abbey, so you'd have them, the monks keeping the eye on the, the lords and the other way around as well. So you'd have these two big, massive buildings, and then nothing really until you got up to Bishop's Court in the north. And then that's, the, that's from the land, but if you can imagine arriving by sea, and Derby Haven, as the name suggests, is one of the best natural ports around the island. So if people were coming in to the island or approaching or even just passing to the south of the island, they would have seen Castle Russian and they'd have known that, OK, somebody with a bit of wherewithal lives there. Before this chat, I went down to the harbour and, and stood there and imagined that all the little cottages weren't there. Mm. And it, it is impressed. It, it, it says, uh, as we have just said, keep out. It does. I mean, you know, there's there's no doubt that it was it was there for two you know two main reasons yeah. to keep people out and to keep whoever was in safe. You know, those are the two reasons. But also, you know, um, alongside that, it's very much this um, marking territory so that everybody knew somebody, um, somebody of great wealth, great importance, great influence, owned the Isle of Man. It was somebody's. We still, I think, don't know actually when it was built. We don't. We had um, a, quite a comprehensive um, conservation management plan done a few years ago uh, by Paul Drury, and he did a, a lot more research, a lot more um, looking as well at the structure of the castle. And we think we're looking at now a, a structure that was... Um, starting to be built, the first stone structure on site starting in the late 1100s. So we usually, we tend to round up to about AD 1200, um, which is, uh, as I say, it's a, a little bit later than um, Russian Abbey, but potentially you'd have the builders working on Russian Abbey and Castle Russian at the same time. And that's another thing that it's, it's quite difficult to imagine as well. You know, 800 years ago, all of a sudden, these massive stone structures were going up. And we see, we see Castle Russian 
um, as a whole big structure now, but even once you start looking at it closely, you know, the size of the stones in the wall, you know, are absolutely huge. So, you know, 800 years ago we're looking at, but, um, you know, a really massive building project. It, when you notice it, you realise that the Norse had actually learnt from the Normans, hadn't they? We can see quite a lot of influences from yeah. the castles around uh, that were around at this particular time. And um, when Castle Russian first started, uh, bear in mind that this was uh, a little bit earlier than, for example, a big uh, castle building program in Wales. Um, so this is, uh, you know, this is a, the beginnings of Castle Russian were a little bit earlier than that. So yeah, it's very much the uh, the Norman. Um, influence in the architecture you know we can we can see similar sort of layouts um, in Ireland for example for the way Castle Russian uh, began um, but it is it is influenced and that really goes back to the Viking kings or King Reginald who we think started the castle they were very much influenced by the English crown they were under the um, under the control of the Norwegian king still the Isle of Man was part of the you know the overall Norwegian kingdom at that time but those Norse kings uh, had you know great influence and they visited the English court a, a lot so they would have had the influences from those particular areas. Where does Magnus come into it then? Depends which Magnus really. Um, I Olufsen. Suppose, uh, Olufsen. We have the uh, first documented reference to Castle Russian is in the Chronicles of the Kings of Man and the Isles, and they say that King Magnus died at Castle Russian, A.D. 1265, and that's the first the first reference we have to the castle. Um, Magnus was the last king of Man and, of the Kingdom of Man and the Isles. He was the last in the line of the Viking kings, Norse kings that had sort of stretched back to uh, Godred Crovin, really, and after the Vikings had. Um, basically been defeated by the Scots. Uh, then the Isle of Man held on to Viking rule for a bit, little bit longer. They basically did a deal that said the uh, Isle of Man could remain part of the kingdom until the death of Magnus. So when Magnus died, then the whole of the kingdom of Man and the Isles did too. And then it just swapped them backwards and forwards all the time between England and Scotland. Yeah, we went through a period of certainly a hundred years where, um, it, I mean, it must have been really chaotic, uh, certainly in the upper levels of society, what, what normal people like you and I would have thought of it, I don't know, just sort of like, oh, is it, who is it this week? Um, but, you know, the, the Isle of Man was being passed from the English crown to the Scottish crown, not particularly because it was seen as um, a valuable a piece of land in itself, but because the other didn't want the other one to get it, it was that time where you know Robert the Bruce um, and the Scottish Wars of Independence were happening. So, and you know, the Isle of Man is such a strategic stronghold in the British Isles that that's what that period was all about. It wasn't so much we want the Isle of Man; it's we don't want them to get the Isle of Man. Is there evidence that Robert the Bruce actually came here? Yeah, it says in the um, uh, it says in the, the documentary sources that Robert the Bruce arrived um, arrived at Ramsey, uh, made his way made his way down to Castletown and uh, sieged the castle. Um, what we don't know really is what form that siege took. We know that uh, after he'd sieged the castle in 1313. Uh, there was a period when uh, it looks as if the castle was neglected and fell into um, decay. 
and it was in the 1330s that we then start to see the castle being built back up again. Whether that uh, neglect and decay was a direct result of damage inflicted by Robert the Bruce on the castle, we don't know, and he didn't really have a set pattern of what he did in other places. So some other castles uh, he completely, you know, destroyed. Other castles he just, you know, he besieged, but the buildings weren't actually damaged. So we can't really say for sure what kind of damage, but he certainly came here. But 1330, it started going again. Yeah, 13, in the 1330s, we um, we see a new uh, new person taking over uh, the reins of the Isle of Man, uh, William Montacute, and uh, he's uh, one of the characters we have in the in the castle here. Um, there's a, a fabulous drawing of him in it's a manuscript called the Salisbury Roll, uh, where it shows some of the leading families with their armorial dress, and he just looks fantastic. You know, he's got these like massive sort of Griffin sort of decoration on the helmet, these big feathery plumes, and you can just imagine him rocking up in Castletown saying, Right, okay, you know, what everybody else was I'm thinking. The boss. Yeah, that's right, here I am, I'll sort your castle out for you. Just imagine what everybody else was thinking. When, um, but he arrived and he saw the uh, importance of re establishing the island as a, a strategic stronghold for at that point England so from this point on really things began to be a little bit more settled um, the island was under English control and it was then that the castle really started taking shape into the, uh, the shape and size that we see it today. Today we've got this wonderful entrance you referred to as the Barbican um, now the dog leg in it is there for defensive purposes if people should deign to attack that's right, and uh, again, it's it's uh, coming back to those first principles. You know, the castle was built to defend who was in and to keep out people they didn't want in. And so every part of the castle is designed with that in mind. So the bar Barbican has this dog leg so that you can't, you know, in the fantastic Hollywood medieval films when they're um, charging, charging across the drawbridge or, you know, battering down the door. You know, the, the Barbican was designed with this angle in it so people couldn't do that. But, you know, that was a real threat um, so that people couldn't just charge up and, and attack, you know. So there's, there's many many different levels of defence in the castle, you know, the Barbican um, is, you know, the first one from this side, uh, but then you leave that, then you've got to get through a gatehouse, then you've got to get over the drawbridge, then you've got to get through another gatehouse, so they weren't, they weren't interested in making things easy. This is the gatehouse we're in at present. Would have this been where the troops or the defenders were housed? Um, they would have had uh, some quarters in here. This is what we call the outer gatehouse. This is where uh, our um, ticket base and the, the current shop is uh, now. And uh, it's actually, um, uh, you just see it as one, um, as one story, but there's actually two stories to it. And there would have been rooms where the, uh, the guards on duty uh, would have been able to keep warm, fireplaces and things like that. Um, and there could have been accommodation um, in the room above us. Most of the garrison, certainly as we sort of go on through time, most of the garrison would have been in the in the middle bit, in the keep itself, and that's where we see more evidence for the domestic quarters. Is there evidence here um, of, it, going back to the films, the Hollywood films, they're always pouring oil on them and things like that. Is there evidence of that here? 
in Castle Rush? We've certainly got the mechanism for them to have done that. We have uh, what we call the murder holes, um, which is uh, yeah, <laughs> clues in the name, I guess, isn't it? Um, as you go through to into the keep and through what we call the, the inner gatehouse, um, if people look up, they can see sort of square holes in the in the ceiling above them, um, and that would have provided spaces for people to throw down whatever they had to hand. You know, I mean, I think you dread to think, yeah, don't you? yeah, you can. Let, let's not. Um, get no. the imagination going too much on that, but basically anything that would have you know stopped or at least slowed down anybody who they thought you know was trying to gain entry that they didn't want them to. Let's keep wandering then, shall we? So we go through the gift shop um, and the outer guardhouse. So this is what a moat. It kind of looks that way now. Originally, we think the moat would have been further out. So again, the the castle um, as we see it today. Uh, never really happened in in one fell swoop, if you like. We had, um, uh, we've got the, as we stand here and look at the keep itself, look at the drawbridge, um, the original stone foundations, the earliest um, courses of stonework that you can see um, are around about AD 1200. The bulk of it is then 1300s with some additions, um, certainly internally a lot of changes later on. As we, if we look sort of further around at the castle complex, we've got this, um, the wall walks as we call them, around the keep, um, and then we also have the glacis, which is outside, which is the you know the thing you drive. I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> no, remember <laughs> that word. <laughs> the the grassy covered, um, yeah. the grassy covered bank there. That was that was put in in the 1500s, you know, along with actually. Um, a certain proportion of the Barbican. So it wasn't all built as one. And we think actually um, the moat originally was further out. So not perhaps not quite on the line where the glasses is now, but more more in that. And level. would that have been filled with water? Yeah, presumably. I mean, um, we uh, now we've got um, the the road right in front of the, the castle, the road that goes you know round uh, most of the castle. Um, but up until that road was built in the when was that 1700, late 1700s, early 1800s, um, that this side of the castle would have just gone um, you know straight down into where the harbour is now. Um, so there would have been a certain amount of you know tidal uh, water going around it certainly would have been a very boggy area um, and you know anybody anybody who knows their Monty Python films know that building a castle in a swamp um, is, is actually you know it is another form of defence as well you know if you get nice soft boggy ground again it slows those people down that you don't want there. We'll speed up then if we go across the bridge or where the moat possibly was we're now coming to this wonderful edifice and yeah, where would castles be without portcullises? <laughs> it can't be a good portcullis or, or three, um, uh, as we've got in the outer gate, uh, gatehouse, and we've got these two here. Um, these are modern, uh, well, say modern, uh, over 100 years old now. S sorry, man's just shouted at us through an O. Again, that's castles for you. So we're looking at these... This is... This is just mighty, isn't it? it? It is, and I think that's one of the things that um, it can be very... Because people um, are so used to buildings like Castle Rush and Russian Abbey Peel Castle, we see them so often, they're sort of just part of part of who we are and what we do, you know, everybody on the island. Um, we sometimes just don't 
look at them. And I think when you when you enter Castle Russian, when you come over that drawbridge, and if you just you know stop where we're stood now in the sort of little shelter bit here, and we look up, we see the murder holes, we see the you know the, the modern replicas of the portcullises either side of us. You know, it's a really grim place to be. You know, and it, it, again going back to its purpose, you know, it wasn't built as a as a nice place to be. And sometimes I think it's you know it's good just to just to stop and actually look at the detail in the castle. It must have been because basically the, the people who fought through this area were the cannon fodder, weren't they? Just go and invade and see if we can get into the castle. Yeah, and you know, before that arrow fodder, you know, it's um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're always looking at putting the people in first, you know, and the same same way with the castle, it would have always been the, the troops going in first, the troops being sent in first, and especially before. Um, cannon, uh, you know, in, in the early uh, in the earlier, certainly in the 1200s and into the 1300s, even when cannon wasn't so um, wasn't so common in use, then it was it was human power, and you know it was manpower, you know, pretty much it's um, it's it's how close you could get, and we've already talked about the numbers of defences here, so yeah. the chances are you're not going to get very close, really. Just madness to even try and invade, I would have thought. Yeah, I think so, but then um, that you know, didn't stop kings. No, it, it didn't. That's that's how kings got to be kings. <laughs> you know, that's how they got in our history books, I guess. So we wander through under the portcullises, and now this is the bulk of the building, isn't it? And as you were saying earlier, the sizes of some of those stones. Yeah, I mean, it's um, again, it's just that uh, trying to. Um, Trying to see the trees for the wood, isn't it? You know, it's looking at the looking at the detail, and these are, you know, they're massive stone blocks, limestone, just quarried from probably round scarlet. So they haven't come a long way, but there's an awful lot of them. You know, in some parts, the walls of the castle are, you know, certainly four foot up to six foot thick. You know, that's a massive, um, you know, in some places double walled as well. Um, and again, here we can sort of see how it wasn't um, that the castle building wasn't built in one go um, uh, in some areas in here you can see the very earliest pieces of the stonework a lot of this um, has been changed when the castle became um, a prison in the later stages and we'll see a bit more of that once we go inside talking to that let's go inside yeah. shall we <laughs> we are stood at the top of um, what we call a prison staircase this was put in when the castle became the island's prison. In the, it had been used as a prison for um, a good few years, but in the early 1800s, they started making pretty substantial structural changes to the inside of the castle to accommodate prisoners. Um, we are stood on the top of the staircase, which people come to when they come out of the medieval dining room uh, where the guys are there having their suckling pig and castles filled with custard um, yeah we missed that sorry um, so the visitors come out onto the staircase this staircase was put in around about 1815 something like that and originally um, there would not have been any staircase here at all so it would have just been one single floor um, this would only have been accessed by one spiral staircase so at the moment visitors go up one spiral staircase they go across and they, and they come down another um, but uh, originally they couldn't have accessed this side of the castle from the ground floor like we've just done okay but we've nipped up the stairs pretty quickly you can see in that that access there I should imagine that has been put in has it 
it ha- from the original. It has, um, and this is um, this is one of the the things about um, Castle Russian, which is. Um, which makes it so special, so interesting, but so incredibly frustrating at times. Um, it's just so complicated. I'm, I'm an archaeologist. I'm not a buildings historian. You know, I'm not an architectural story, a historian. Um, and, you know, to just try and get your head around what's, what's been put in here when and what's been taken away is, is, is really difficult. But that doorway that leads to what we call the Lord's Great Chamber now um, was put in during the, the prison period when the... When the Okay. prison staircase was put in so um, again there would have been there would have been some division it might have been um, a wooden division because the room um, that we see beyond that we call the treasury which is the most secure room in the most secure building in the surprise, island surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where all the good stuff and documents and legal documents would have been kept prisoners there, there are one or two well-known prisoners that that were kept here yeah, we've got um, a lot of records from the prison period. Um, we have um, the day books of uh, Dr. John Clegg, who was the prison surgeon here um, for a good number of year- years, and he uh, he talks about many of the prisoners. Um, some of his um, notings are um, are really good. You know, sort of like the underlying. You know, I sort of he was he was very ill. I um, he was put in solitary confinement and suddenly became much better. You know, the, there's this lovely sort of tone. You know, to, to some of it. But um, but yeah, and and we have the um, of course we have the uh, the last man uh, to be hanged on the Isle of Man um, was held here at Castle Russian and indeed hanged here as well. But ecclesiastically, I think, um, wasn't Wilson held here? Bishop Wilson, yes, we have um, Bishop Wilson, uh, well, at least his mannequin, uh, in one of the cells downstairs. Uh, he was... Um he got into trouble because he had a bit of an altercation or a bit of a disagreement with the governor's wife, uh, which ended up um, him being put in prison. But there was a, a massive outcry. He was uh, he was a very popular figure. As with everybody, you know, there are two sides to every story. Um, but you know, there was outcry when he was imprisoned, and he he was eventually released. That cell in Peel Castle still gives me the shudders. Yeah, how can it not? It's uh, yeah, awful, there is yeah, yeah. There's, um, you know, just the thought of being just put in there for however long. No, don't like that idea. The Lord's Great Chamber. Shall we wander mm-hmm. into that? So we're into a very gloomy room. Yes, it is. It is now. It's not the. It's it's an um, unusual day where it's quite grey and um, rainy. So we haven't got uh, uh, a huge amount of daylight. Um, but you know that that was life in a medieval castle. Uh, you know you would have had to bring your own lights in with you. You know you wouldn't have been expected to just wander around on your own and and have the rooms lit ready for yeah. you. Uh, likewise, in this particular room, um, we have some of the uh, painted wall hangings um, that you'll see in a few rooms around the castle. And again, these wouldn't have been here necessarily all of the time. A lot of the time with the castles when they were first built, Castle Russian was um, was no exception. They weren't permanent homes for the rulers, so Castle Russian was built as a base for the Viking kings to start with, then the Lords of Man. Um, they didn't spend a lot of time over here, usually. So uh, you, if you had room decoration like these painted cloths, you could basically, oh, the Lord's coming, you know, you get a few, you get a few days' notice. Cause Let's do some dusting. That's right, you know, it's not just a case of flying in or, you know, getting the um, banana over. Uh, so you had a few days ready uh, a few days 
preparation, time to get ready, and you could just unroll the cloths, put them up, and make the castle look, you know, absolutely fabulous and everything like that again. So, again, sort of just going back to the, the gloominess, I guess, you know, people were, um, that was life, you know, and, and so it, it's gloomy to us now, um, but, uh, you know, again, you know, we would have been carrying our own little lights around, or preferably having somebody carry them for us. That's the best way, That's isn't right, it? Yes. Okay. So, what's through that door over there? So, that door, that room there is what we call the treasury now. Well, let's go in there then. Because it is gloomy, because the windows don't look out, do they? They look over the courtyard. They do, and um, again, that's one of the uh, that's one of the design um, techniques for building a castle. You know, it's it's not designed for you to live in and have a nice view over the sea. You you don't need a nice view over the sea. What you need your soldiers to be able to do is look to make sure nobody's sneaked into the courtyard, or you want your soldiers to be at the very top in all weathers and to give you a warning if you happen to be here that somebody's coming in yeah. so you don't need to you don't need to look out no, don't, don't you no. worry about that yeah so no balconies no okay right no. carrying on we've come to the treasury now gosh yes wouldn't like to spend too much time in here no uh, this was um this was used, as the name suggests, uh, probably as a place to store uh, any particular bits of wealth, but also important documents as well in the medieval period, so in the 1300s, uh, 1400s. Um, it is only accessed through the doorway off the Great Chamber, which is only accessed through the medieval, now through the medieval dining room from the other spiral staircase. So it's the, um, it is the most secure room in the most secure building on the Isle of Man, I would say. Would somebody have spent all their time in here, a treasurer? I don't think so. I think it was uh, it was more a room of things uh, where things were kept. Um, like a safe? Yes, yeah, essentially. And, you know, again, if we sort of think of the precious things as being documents as well, um, you know, if you think of the, the modern-day equivalent of a Rolls office, perhaps, you mm. know, something um, something like that. Uh, so there wouldn't have necessarily been any, anybody in here all the time. And, again, um, going back to the, the first principles, you wouldn't necessarily need anybody in all the time because uh, you you know, you didn't have people like us just wandering about, you know, you, you had a, a very select number of people who would have been shot by in. now, wouldn't We're, we? Uh, well shot by now, yeah. <laughs> They didn't build small rooms either, did they? They were all tall. They were, yeah, I think it's, it's a bit like... Um, uh, the prehistoric buildings, isn't it? You sort of, if you ever get to go in a replica of a prehistory um, replica of a building, they all seem very small. Um, yeah. But uh, I think it's it's just uh, with, with castles. I think it's it's an architectural thing. You know, you've got you, you've got plenty uh, plenty of space to to move around, and also uh, you're working with very big stone, you know, as well. Yeah. So um, it's. Uh, and again, it goes back to that status thing as well. You know, you're in a. If you do have, if you do have guests, um, they're in, under no illusions that they're in somewhere very special. Very special indeed. That concludes the first part of a tour of Castle Russian with Alison Fox from Manx National Heritage. Mark Tiley is next with greatest hits. Join me again on April the 11th for the fourth programme in the series. If you want to listen again to tonight's programme about Castle Russian, please use Manx Radio webpage and also check out the podcast. Till next time, goodbye.